This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security again HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we had Gabriel Weinberg back, um, who is the founder of DuckDuckGo and also the author of Traction. Um, so they are releasing a, the second version of Traction. So he came to, to give us an update on what you can find in the book. So Matt, what'd you think? It was great. It's been a while since I've read Traction. And after this, I have a full page of notes of what to do in the coming weeks. And it's just, it's a really good process and it holds you accountable and gets you to try things that normally you probably wouldn't try. Yeah, so he takes us through the original process and some of the hiccups that people were having that they tried to solve with the second book. So let's get into it. 
Rocketship is proudly supported by Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax-ready financial statements from professional bookkeepers. Go to bench.co forward slash Rocketship to get 20% off 20% off your first six months today. Today. <laughs> Wistia is a video hosting platform built specifically for business. If you're using video as a part of your marketing strategy, you need to be able to measure its impact. Wistia is helping over 175,000 businesses do just that with premium video hosting, lead generation tools, and in-depth video analytics. For more about Wistia, visit wistia.com forward slash rocket ship. So Gabriel, tell us, tell us about traction um, and, and what this, this book is. I know you guys are doing the second release, but for those that aren't familiar. Yes, thank you. So um, Traction is really a book to help your startup or any business get traction. Um, and what it does is it prevents a framework for how to get traction. So when I, the reason I wrote this book um, with my co-author is, you know, I, I was trying to get traction for my startup, and I went looking for like a traction framework to apply, kind of like a product development framework or a customer development framework, and it just didn't, one didn't exist. Right. Um, and so I, I set out to try to figure out what to do and eventually end up writing this book. And the framework ends up being a three-step process that we call the bullseye framework because um, it uses the metaphor of a bullseye target where the outer ring is all the ways you can get traction. So we identify 19 different traction channels, so like search engine marketing, you know, SEO, trade shows, etc. And what you're trying to do is hit that bullseye where you find the right channel for your startup at the time to you know rocket its growth, um, and so the book outlines that framework um, and helps you think about traction in the first five chapters. And in the last nineteen chapters, there's one chapter for each traction channel to help you really get a primer on how to think about that channel, and so you can effectively evaluate it within the framework. So you you released it last year. Um, it did really well. And you're you're re-releasing it again. Um, what can we expect from this updated version? Yeah. So um, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought I did well too. We um, sold about thirty-five thousand copies. We got immediate feedback from people that it was definitely helping them. But we also got feedback. You know, have our ear to the ground that you know they were confused in certain areas. Um, we saw people misapplying what we had intended in a few areas. I did a bunch of speaking and so um, really saw that firsthand talking to people. And what we decided to do in the re-release is a few things. Um, one, we simplified the framework. It was actually a five-step process down to a three-step process. Um, we also re-architected the intro to focus on these non-intuitive things that people often get wrong in each step. And then we literally made just a way better edited version. So we cut out about 50 pages. It's just much nicer read. And then finally, we added a couple sections that people really wanted. So there's a there's a preface from me about you know my experiences getting traction and kind of framing the book. And then there's an addendum for testing that gives you two or three testing ideas for each of the 19 channels which people were struggling with. Interesting. So what were some of the common mistakes that you guys were seeing? So in e- each of the steps, there's a big mistake. And even there's there's really one step even before the three steps, kind of call it step zero, which is you know setting a traction goal. Um, and that is a hard goal that you have, ideally quantitative, of how much traction you really need to move the needle for your business. And the way people mess that 
step zero step up is not having a goal, <laughs> basically <Okay. laughs> skipping the step. And I actually made that mistake myself um, in my last business. And that's one of the things I talk about in this new, um, in the new preface is that, you know, you really got to think about what it is you're trying to set out to accomplish. And when you're first starting a business, it's usually one of three things. It's usually how much traction I need to get profitability or, you know, enough money for me to sustain myself month over month. Mm-hmm. Or how much traction do I need to raise funding? Um, or, you know, how much traction do I need to prove to myself that, you know, I'm going to get product market fit on this? Um, and if you're not really thinking about that, like you may set out on activities that don't actually get you anywhere. So in my example, you know, I didn't have a goal. My previous business was um, had, had gotten traction through search engine optimization SEO. So when I started DuckDuckGo, I was like, oh, I know SEO. I'm going to just try to get tracked through SEO. And I spent a lot of time on it, and I was successful. Um, I had built a, a widget that you could show your Twitter followers and stuff. And at the bottom, it had a link that said new search engine. And it, th- this whole complicated procedure made me rank first for new search engine, <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, which was great. Except that new search engine only brought in like, you know, 50 users a day or something. Okay. <laughs> And so it, it, it amounted to only like you know like a thousand a month or a few thousand, and that just it just didn't move the needle for me at all. And you know, I, I thought it was cool, but then in retrospect, I was like, why did I waste all this time on SEO when I really need you know fifty thousand searches a month to prove this out? And I really should have focused on other channels. And so not having that goal was that mistake. Interesting. Interesting. Um, and what were what were people struggling with um, when you were talking to them in terms of like you know the the channels seem kind of straightforward, but what were some of the feedback that you were hearing where they just didn't know what to do to maybe get PR or something like that? So the main one is so that next step, step one, is really brainstorm each channel, right? Okay, and. Uh, really come up with a test idea that you could ideally use to test that channel to answer three questions. One, how scalable is this channel? How many customers can I try to get from it? Two, how much does it cost to acquire customers? And three, are they the right type of customers? Because, you know, different channels yield different type of customers. And that part people got. What the What they didn't get was, you know, they really should test every channel. Like the question we got the most out of everything was, Hey, I'm just a B2B company or B2C company or I'm an offline retail store. Tell me the channels that work for my business. I don't mm-hmm. really want to consider all 19. Um, and that's where the mistake is made because non-intuitively, the underutilized channels for your industry are usually the best ones because they're less competitive and you can get really high conversion rates on creative um, campaign ideas. Um, and so if you set out just using the channels that you know all your competitors use or the ones that you're familiar with, you're intentionally overlooking the ones that may be best for you. And it's very challenging to overcome psychologically because you don't know anything about it. Part of the reason for writing the book was and all those other chapters was to give you a primer so you feel a little closer to it. But that that's the biggest mistake there is that people were overlooking channels. And they would talk to us and not even realize they're making the mistake. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Um, so taking kind of that feedback, were, were you, were you frustrated, um, coming from the software world, having to wait an entire year to put this out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Very much so. 
Um, in fact, I was trying, you know, first, it, it, also the date dragged on and on, right? So, like, it it took a long time to re-edit it, and, and then actually getting it published, you know, took a long time. Um, so it, it was, it was confusing, uh, like in terms of how long it was going to take, I didn't know exactly what the steps were to finally get it live through this publishing process. Cause in this, this route, we're actually going with a publisher now. So Penguin, one of the big publishers has picked up the book for the re-release. But when we did it the first time, kind of like the book, uh, you guys did, you know, we did it all ourselves. So the, the, our deadlines were self-imposed right? <laughs> and we knew what we were doing. You know, we didn't know what we were doing in the kind of global sense, but you know, we knew the things that we would do this time. There were a bunch of other stages, you know, all sorts of talk about the cover and, and various editing passes and things like that. Um, totally different. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you guys going to rework or or redo? I know you guys use the traction framework to get traction for traction. Are you going to do that again? Yes, absolutely. The whole 19. Yeah. So we did, we did the brainstorm. We have data. So this is kind of interesting about the traction framework is, you know, a lot of people use it to, um, you know, get traction initially, but eventually, uh, something happens usually on a business, unfortunately, is you reach diminishing returns on your channel and you have to reset and run the process over again. So at DuckDuckGo, we've literally done this six times. So we've gone from that SEO mistake I mentioned earlier um, to content marketing from my blog and then microsites, then PR, print, and then TV. And then we did um, business development um, where we last year we also got in Apple's iPhones and Mozilla Firefox, and now we're we're literally back to the drawing board at DuckDuckGo. Okay. So for traction, we ran that experiment last year. Um, email lists got our email list got us the initial step of the way, and then actually podcasts was a strategy that worked the best. Hmm. Um, and then we doubled down on that to kind of push it forward, and then. We reached diminishing returns, and we thought of it as really going to the publisher as the next traction channel as kind of a business development play, um, where they're the partner. But then we kind of realized going through publishing that they actually, you know, they are going to help produce a much better book, but they don't actually get traction for the books they publish. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so then it pushed us back to the drawing board again now. And we're, we're literally running experiments um, over the next month because it come, you know, it, it's going to come out um, right when we talk, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we're in the middle of those experiments right now. Although we were using the data from the previous year. So we're going heavy in on podcasts as an experiment initially. Very cool. I imagine that the, the kind of traction channels that you're going to test to grow the book when it's in stores are pretty different from you know, doing marketing around this startup little community online. How are you going to go beyond the 35,000 readers to get to hundreds of thousands of readers? Yeah, so I, one initial thing we're trying to do is get on a bestseller list. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's going to work. That involves trying to coordinate people going to purchase the book that first week, including offline. Um, another thing we're testing, um, is an incentive program, which we had done last year and which a lot of other successful book launches have done. But last year's one we learned from, and the test didn't work out too great. And so we're going to run that experiment again, just we think better executed. 
Um, and that's where essentially if you buy more copies of the book, you know, we'll, we'll give you away special bonuses. Um, so that's another one we're testing. Um, other than that, those are the main ones we're doubling down on. And then the email list again, um, in, in terms of running tests. And we have like, I guess we just have like next level experiments in all those. So like in the email, Justin's creating a whole email course. Um, and in podcasts, we're testing a much wider net. Um, and in the incentive program, we're really leveling up. And whichever one of those seems to work, we're going to really double down hard on it. So how's you your go. how's your time split between this and DuckDuckGo? So this is in my spare time, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> in the next month, it is like in this month of launch, we're like it's like all my spare time. Um, but before that, I was doing it, you know, nights and weekends. Yeah, it seems like a lot. Yeah, tell my family that. <laughs> kind of fed up with me. <laughs> so, are you going to do? Um, I mean, are, are you looking at like book tours or or other kind of in person things that are are not so digital? You know, um, I would if it was Greenfield and I didn't have DuckDuckGo. Okay. Because if you look at people who um, are very successful with their books. Um, they, that's a, that's often a channel they use. Mm-hmm. Um, and to my point earlier, you know, maybe it's saturated. I haven't looked at it as much, but the reason why we're not doing that is both Justin and I are trying to run startups. Okay. <laughs> and so we just can't afford to do it. Um, but yeah, that it's not a bad strategy. Okay. What were some, um, if you don't mind sharing some disappointing channels from last time, um, for, for traction, uh, that you oh, thought yeah. maybe would work. <laughs> so in the spirit of it, we actually just because it would be fun. In in the book, we really suggest you know trying three things in parallel mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. Um, but in the spirit of the book, we wanted to test like a lot more things. <laughs> um, so initially, we we thought about maybe writing it up each way, but then we we it was one of those things like <laughs> it was a good idea, but then way too much work, right? <laughs> so we didn't do it. But we did end up doing a lot of tests. So some of the ones that just like didn't work too well were um, we tried uh, both search engine ads and social and display ads, so like Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff. Um, we tried uh, inbound marketing. So like, um, you know, we tried a tw- Twitter campaign that was pretty sustained, didn't work too well. We tried content marketing where we did guest posts on a bunch of places. Also, didn't really bring in much. Um, and then we also tried some offline events, not to the level of the book tour, but we, we tried some more minor ones, and they didn't also work well either. So all of those kind of failed. Interesting, interesting. And what do you think the, I mean, what was the, I guess, the reason behind some of the unsuccess, like with the social ads? I think that it is, you know, our book, and I think the reason why a podcast works well is you really need to hear a little more about it um, and he- hear more why this might work for you. Mm. When you see just the book ad, um, I don't, it may just be the business book section in general. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's like it, that impulse purchase with such little information, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think it's that enticing. It feels like people just like the the engagement. The, the bottom line is the engagement rates were really low. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That um, makes sense. I was a bit I was a bit surprised at the content marketing because that is a place where 
we were able to tell the story a little more, you know? Yeah. Um, but all, all I can gather is that, you know, people just don't, you know, the, even though there's views on it, they may not have read the article very well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that happens. So when you're, uh, setting the goal for a new channel, how do you go about setting that in the right way? Because if you're too ambitious with it, then it doesn't matter how well the experiment does, it'll be a failure. Um, and the same goes the other way. So how do you go about setting a goal when you aren't having any experience with the channel before? Yeah, so to me, it's it's two separate questions. There's, this gets back to one of these non-intuitive pieces that I'd love to talk about. So there's the traction goal overall. That should be a goal really based on your business in terms of some kind of inflection point, right? Like we mentioned earlier. The, the goal for testing channels really should be to put some of the numbers on those three questions. So how many customers can I get? How much do they cost? Are they the right customers? And we really advise doing small tests for that. So we, we added something in the book this time that says, we think if you're going over a month or going over $1,000, especially when starting out, um, you're probably doing something wrong. You should be able to execute a cheap and quick test like that to get some rough numbers on those numbers. Um, and then you can use those numbers to evaluate whether you think you could reach the, the big traction goal with that channel and only double down if you you think it's possible. And so the mistake that people make is they really try to prematurely optimize those channel tests. Um, they run like 40 Facebook ads instead of four. Um, and then that's more of a full-time job, and that also makes it so you can't really test three in parallel. That makes a lot of sense. You kind of chain yourself down before you even get started. Exactly. And then to, the, to follow up on that, the kind of the, the things people were getting wrong in, in the final step, which is once you got something working, you really should do that double down and focus, is people were not ditching the other tests that were mildly successful. So like say you ran you know, Facebook ads and you, know, you went to speak somewhere and you also try to get some PR. And all of them were kind of successful, but the Facebook ads were much clearer, clearer that they would have ROI to get you to your big goal. What we saw a lot of people doing was, okay, yeah, scale up the Facebook things, but still do some PR um, and um, still do the other one. I already just forgot <laughs> what I said, but still do the other channel. And that's a problem because the time you spend on the Facebook ads is, is a much higher rewarding time than the time you spent on these other two channels that only kind of worked. Because when you're really focusing, you're trying to undercover, uncover these underutilized strategies within that channel that you focus. The only way to do that on is to really focus. And any time you spend away from it is time you're not using to get effective strategies. So it sounds like you, you double down once you find, when you hit the, the point of diminishing returns, you you go and experiment again. That's maybe when you could dip your foot back into PR or, or some of those other channels that didn't work before. That's exactly right. And the only way, the implicit um, in your point, what's implicit in that is that you are constantly measuring these metrics towards your goal, and you can see that it's starting to reach diminishing returns. Right. Right. So there's really within this framework, there's really two types of tests that you should be running. One of these, what we call the middle ring tests, where you're you're testing different channels, and two are the inner circle tests, where you're testing things within that focus channel. When you start reaching diminishing returns, 
you go back to those middle range tests, run more tests, but you're always testing no matter what you're doing. Yeah, no, it's it makes a it it makes sense when you hear it. It's not what we always do, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> um, too much psychological bias in all this is right. The problem, you know? absolutely it's hard to admit yeah. that what you're doing is not going to work. You're not going to reach your goal. You know, you got to do something you're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. All these things are are very difficult to overcome. Absolutely, yeah, and um, even to see that. Like sometimes when you put so much effort into something to admit that it's not working is, is incredibly difficult. Um, so that's a whole nother one. You know, yeah. Yeah. Some cost fallacy. I mean, <laughs> and, and not just money. I mean, not just time money too, you know, mm-hmm. we already spent, you know, a ton on this billboard campaign. We should run the rest of it, you know, but if it's not working, we, you really shouldn't. Right. Right. And I, I, the quote that I see all the time is entrepreneurs quit right before they break through. Um, but sometimes that's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's hard. I mean, that's why, um, you know, I, I, I'd say like overriding all of this is a trying to get quantitative with your, you know, traction efforts. Mm-hmm. And if you're not quantitative, you just, you just make it so much easier to delude yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> So kind of switching gears, I'd love to hear for those that are interested in publishing, what was it like working with Penguin and what are some of the kind of the advantages, disadvantages of, of working with a publisher? So uh, it, it, it's been very interesting. So first off, how you got to the publisher is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were we hooked up with an agent. So the way we found the agent, who was a good agent, um, it's like, Tim Ferriss's agent, Michael Port's agent. We actually nice. hooked up through him through Michael Port, which you know he's a best-selling business author who happens to be in Philadelphia. I'm in Philadelphia. Had met him through that community. Nice. But that's kind of one way you can do it is you know go meet local people in your startup community who cross over who are business book and ask them about their agent. Um, so we we actually found a good agent. He a good agent has connections to all the right people in the publisher sector okay. and they're they're really in each category there's only like you know a handful of people to talk to and what uh, is the agent's role so we can kind of understand how he agent's role is to get you the book deal <laughs> okay okay and what the, the reason why they're necessary is you know it's kind of like a vc warm intro except um in the book space the agent fills that role is that just like Hundreds of kind of entrepreneurs send VCs business plans. Mm-hmm. Um, the same things happens in the book industry, and unless you have a warm relationship with the people you know who are selecting and editors at books uh, places, you kind of need an agent. Now there may be other ways to be around the agent. The other thing, way the agent really helps is they understand the contracts and can help you negotiate a better deal. Um, and you might have a, a warm intro into one publisher, but they, they know all of them, so they can kind of get a competitive deal going. Um, and that's what they did in this case. Very cool. Yeah. The, the other way to get attention, which is independently how we got attention, was you know do something interesting in the book industry and people kind of notice because everyone's wondering how the book industry is going to evolve. So we wrote up how we got, you know, how we sold, at the time we had sold 12,000 copies. What, what exactly we did to sell those copies and how we ran our framework. And I wrote this long post out about it. That went kind of viral within the book industry. And the editor at Penguin, who we ended up going with, actually reached out to me independent of our agent before we even had sent it to him. Um, 
to be like, oh, I'm kind of interested in talking to you guys. Um, so that, that's kind of another way. Um, after we got into the publisher and you know s- signed the contract, then they have a very specific process and a lot of people that work with you to get the book out the door. So you know there's like a whole thing around covers and you know what the how they would like it edited and in different stages of editing. So like a a deeper edit and a copy edit and a layout and format and each and fact checking and each one of these things, they kind of guide you through and run you through a pass, but it was a lot of work. (laughs) Okay. I bet. Yeah. It sounds like it. And, and relatively tight deadlines because they have, um, they kind of have schedules with how to get things in bookstores. Okay. So with these, um, what did you must have learned a ton about the writing process that, you know, we who sometimes self publish, we don't, we don't work with multiple editors and, and kind of go through that. Would you do it again on your, if you were to write another book, would you go straight to a publisher? I don't know. Um, I think I might, honestly, um, we, we had, so we hired a professional editor in the self publishing side too. Um, but it wasn't as formal a relationship, you know, because we were setting the bar, you know, not them saying we need to, you know, they think it should be a bit better here or there. Um, I like the structure of it. So it really comes down to what your goals are with the book, right? Um, if your goal is to make the most money from the book, I think self-publishing is the future. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. If your goal is to get the best book out, um, in terms of everything around that, not just the writing, but you know, the quality of these things actually matter to readers a lot. We learned, you know, the layout of the book, the typeface, the paper, the cover, all those different things, then the publisher really does add a lot there. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really about the quality, which is the complete opposite of what I thought um, as a publisher's role. Yeah, that that it, that's how I'm seeing it. Absolutely, yeah. very cool. Well, so when when is the book launch? Um, the book launch is October sixth. October sixth. Okay, and where can we where can we find it? Uh, where can we get this kind of second edition? Tractionbook.com. A very direct. And it will be in physical stores, you say, right? It will be in physical stores, yes. Definitely in Barnes & Noble. I don't... It's a bit opaque to me still how this system works. (laughs) (laughs) Well... (laughs) We'll learn on the next follow-up then. Exactly. But I, I, it, it's definitely going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. And um, you know, we look forward to kind of getting our hands on the second, second edition. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And be sure to check out our app discount section, where we have discounts on products that we use every day, like Woo Themes, Wistia, Treehouse. Go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials and get your discounts today. Springs, white summers, blue waters, flowers bloom, world small, so are you. 
from the tombs, gray skies, blue waters, straight faucet. At least you know it's tap when you sip it slow. The dirt around the edges makes it difficult. Magnolias make me feel invincible. Spring sweets, summer's pink. Magnolias, sweet, 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 sweet. French kisses, they better written. Pussy coma, I'm too dizzy, my head spinning. World beneath me, my demons lurking in the grass. I'm smoking on this cabbage patch. God shit, squad shit. Know we had to beef, but I know we had to beat. Better, never had to cheat. But the petals make me sleep. Better, roses all beneath. My better thorns cutting deep. I've been on the punch for weeks. Never saw what I reap. Leading to back to backs. Black and miles, quit acting stupid. Pack to pack, still loud, get back to music. The cycles fall still on the break. All my winters lead to spring. At least that's just what I think. Pray the rain falls. Watching the seeds spill. Henny on good nights. Vodka and Advil's trying to find balance. Smoking on wild grass, stuck on cloud atlas. Watching your fine ass stop deep. Sweet, 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 sweet